Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and I've got Bob here with me as always. And we're going to start things off a little differently this week. Our movie is Pocahontas, which has taken some pretty serious criticism for its portrayal of indigenous people and its many historical inaccuracies. Some of this gets pretty dark, but I also think it's important. So we're going to tackle it here at the top of the show. Take a deep breath. Maybe a giant swig of my glass of wine. And then try to remember that this is an amazing, entertaining Disney movie that's lots of fun and does have some great messages for kids. But normally we just kind of debate this stuff in the middle of the show. And in researching this, I found some really upsetting things. And I am from Virginia. Like, I grew up going to Jamestown and Williamsburg for field trips and things like that. And I learned a lot. (laughs) So if I grew up around this and didn't hear this info, that's pretty shitty. And I mean, as we know, history is written by those in power. So uh, we're going to talk about some of the bad shit that happened. And then we're going to talk about Disney and have some fun. Here we go. First, let's talk race. So in making this movie, Disney hired mostly Native American actors, employed Native American consultants, and even had a session with a real shaman. Russell Means, who voiced Power Tan and is a Native American activist, said that at the time, it was the single best representation of American Indians that Hollywood has ever done. That was a direct quote. Despite all this, other indigenous activists issued an open letter condemning the stereotypes and historical inaccuracies in the movie. Disney does have a bad history of over-sexualizing women of color. Jasmine, Esmeralda, Pocahontas, Kida. That is a known problem that Disney has, and it's inappropriate. I don't really have more to add to that other than that is not great. But I think all of that considered for a 90s movie, this movie did pretty fucking good. Especially since eight years later, they hired non-indigenous and largely white cast to voice Brother Bear and featured a Bulgarian women's choir for what was supposed to be the Native American music. So I... I think given the shitty story that they had to tell and the fact that it's a kid's movie and we can't be talking about necessarily all the really terrible, terrible things that happened, they put in a valiant effort to make a non-offensive, inclusive, loving representation of indigenous people, especially for the 90s, where just go back and watch some episodes of Friends. Love it. It's not great. It's pretty problematic. Now let's talk about historical inaccuracies. So like I said... I learned a lot of pretty upsetting stuff researching this episode. Southern textbooks are not particularly reliable, you guys. A sad, true story. On the silly side, there are no mountains in Jamestown. There's a lot of huge cliffs and waterfalls featured. You do not find those in the Jamestown area of Virginia. You get some hills at best. It's called the floodplain. Yeah. That is something that locals just had a good chuckle at. But now on to the more serious stuff. So Pocahontas was born, and please forgive me if I butcher these pronunciations. She was born Amanute and privately known as Matoaka. Pocahontas was a nickname given to her that meant playful one. 
And her father's name, they just call him Chief Powhatan in the movie. Her father's name was Wahun Sanaka, and he was the leader of the Powhatan people. When Pocahontas met John Smith, she was actually around 10 to 11 years old. There was no romance, but they were close for a few years, and she acted as a liaison between the English and her tribe. One of the things that is in the movie is that she and John Smith meet right away. In actuality, they met months later when he was captured by Wahun Sanaka's brother. According to John Smith, when he was captured, he was forced to put his head down on two stones. A warrior raised a club to smash his head, but Pocahontas threw her head over his to stop him. Whether or not Smith's account of this is accurate is debated. According to oral tradition of Native peoples, this was part of a ceremony where no harm would have come to him. He was actually being welcomed as a new member of the tribe because he was being seen as a leader of the English. It was kind of a welcome fellow leader. Either way, after that happened, he was accepted by the Powhatan tribe. Pocahontas did marry Coquillum a year after John Smith left Virginia, and they think it was probably out of love because she would have had her pick of who to marry, and he wasn't particularly high-ranking. Um, so the daughter of the chief marrying somebody who wasn't super high-ranking, she probably chose him and wanted to marry him. In 1613, Pocahontas was taken hostage by Captain Samuel Argyll when relationships between the Powhatans and the British deteriorated. The English were demanding more food and threatening tribes and burning towns to get it. Colonialism. According to English history, it's unknown whether Coquillum was killed by Argyll or if he just assumed he was divorced from Pocahontas when her marriage to John Rolfe was announced. According to oral history... Argall ordered for Coquillum to be killed. Smith did sail back to England after a gunpowder wound. Pocahontas and Wahun Sanaka were told that Smith died on his way back to England, which was not true. She ended up meeting him again in 1616 when she went to England, and she was very emotional upon finding out that he was alive, but she was also pissed that he'd pretty much been willing to threaten all of her people except her. Like, he was always very fond of her, but when relationships with the tribes started going downhill, he wasn't exactly being great to the tribes. So, I said earlier, Pocahontas was taken hostage by Captain Samuel Argall in 1613. She was held ransom by him and taken to Henrico, Virginia, and while she was there, she was taught English ways. According to English history, she converted to Christianity and fell in love with a man named John Rolfe. They married with Wahunsanaka's blessing. According to Native oral history, she was consistently told by her captors that her father didn't love her. She suffered a breakdown, and the English asked that one of her sisters be sent to care for her. Her sister, Matachana, and her sister's husband were sent. Pocahontas told Matachana that she'd been raped. She eventually gave birth to a son named Thomas. But according to Mataponi history, she gave birth before the marriage to John Rolfe. In 1614, Pocahontas was supposed to be exchanged for a ransom payment. A fight broke out and negotiations fell through. The English used this as further evidence that her father no longer loved her. So a lot of mental torment, physical torment happening. Soon after, Pocahontas converted to Christianity and married John Rolfe. Whether she truly converted or loved him is hard to say because she wanted to best represent her people. She already had a half-white child who could help forge a bond between their peoples. Or maybe she was just trying to survive. Her father only consented to the marriage because he feared what would happen if he said no. 
So then in 1617, the Rall family was sailing down the Thames River, preparing to sail back to Virginia. Pocahontas suddenly fell ill. English historians suspect pneumonia or dysentery. Wahunsanaka was told by Matachana and other tribe members on the ship that Pocahontas had been murdered. She suspected poison as Pocahontas had been in seemingly good health up until dinner, a dinner at which they ate with the fuckhead Captain Argall, her kidnapper. So that is the true story of Pocahontas, and I should say that my sources for this research, uh, most of it came from the National Park Service Historic Jamestown website. They have an article called Pocahontas, Her Life and Legend that tells both the oral history as well as the written English history. So I definitely recommend you check that out to further your education because American history kind of sucks, y'all. All right, everybody take a deep breath. I'm going to take a big old sip of my glass of wine here. I have arrived. <laughs> Bob is here. I mostly told him to stay muted because Evie is just munching away on a rubber toy in the background, and it sounds pretty inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm here for the raccoons and the hummingbirds. <laughs> yes, I think we all are. <laughs> and the really kinky tree? <laughs> Listen. I'm just saying, she's an old lady and she's She's had to tap it. that ass a little bit. <laughs> so if we're going to be talking Disney Plus, we got to talk WandaVision. It has wrapped up. It was beautiful. I cried. We're not going to give spoilers. This is a spoiler-free zone. I do still want to do a kind of reflection on it at some point. I will try to get around to recording that sometime in the near future, but I am plowing away at resin stuff for the craft fair at the end of the month, so... At some point, we will throw up some WandaVision bonus episodes, I promise. You got anything else before we get into the news? Uh, not, not really. Alright, let's do it. Now available to stream on Disney Plus are Captain Marvel, what, what? Inside Out. If you want to cry. If you want to cry. <laughs> Fucking Pixar, man. Alice in Wonderland. And a biofilm about someone I've never heard of, Yoshiki, called My Music Story, Yoshiki. In other news, uh, oh crap, I never double-checked this. I thought I was still prepared. So listeners, now that we have this time together while she's gone, I'm glad that you're here. So how are you feeling? How's, how's, Yo, how's life? shut up, Delilah. <laughs> Is that a local reference or is that a national show? No, it's it's a syndicated national show. It it's okay. just uh, some people really like Delilah, and I am not one of those people. It's a little, it's a little. Uh, Hi everybody, how's it going today? Who's in your heart this evening? So what I'm gonna do is start my own podcast. That's literally just gonna be me talking soothing things to the microphone, and maybe you need to just listen and get an affirmation for the day. Literally. Thousands of people have made their careers off of that. <laughs> Let's get to something that I do love. Hey! 
Hey! No, I love you. <laughs> what a segue. I don't love Delilah. Okay, that was... We were talking about me here. No. Joseph Gordon-Levitt has been cast as Jiminy Cricket in the live-action Pinocchio. Yeah, I'm here for it. Oh, I'm so mad that I'm here for it, because I don't really like Pinocchio, but I love him so much, and he has been dying to be in a musical, so I'm just so excited. I just want to hear him sing When You Wish Upon a Star. I'm so excited, and I'm happy for him, because I know that's been a goal of his for a long, long time. I've also heard rumors that he might be in talks with Marvel now that that's gone through, so Yes, yay. please. Premiering for Earth Day is Secrets of the Whales, a new original series from National Geographic. It is executive produced by James Cameron and narrated by Sigourney Weaver. It's pretty cool. If you are just looking for some great, wholesome, joyous content, a video was released along with the release of Raya and the Last Dragon. It is a video of Ming-Na Wen, Jody Benson, Paige O'Hara, Jonathan Groth, and Jennifer Goodwin sending Kelly Marie Tran, the voice of Raya, a remote welcoming to the Disney family. It is so sweet and wholesome, and Kelly is geeking out because she loves Jonathan Groff, and Aww. I cried. I cried a little bit. It was really cute. Kelly Marie Tran is a joy and adorable. So they had it on the Disney Plus Twitter page. If you go there, they retweeted oh. it. I think Ming-Na Wen maybe originally tweeted it, but you can find it on the Disney Plus Twitter. It's definitely worth watching. I need to see that. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's really cute. What you got for us in the Marvel Minute, Bob? I don't have that music right. So not a lot going on just because we're actually getting content. Guys, it's happening. Woo-hoo. Like, yeah, WandaVision, lots of good things coming of that. Once we get our whole thing settled on the other podcast, we'll get a full review, full kind of in-depth on that. But um, we also have, in association with WandaVision, the Assembled show. And basically, they're showing us a whole lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on WandaVision. And if you ever wanted to see Paul Bettany's ears, um, just his ears, this is definitely a good way to check those out if that's your thing. No shaming here. No, it's a fun thing, and they go behind the scenes on everything from the music. It's an hour long. Like, it's a really nice, in-depth check-out assembled, because it's a good time. If you haven't checked out already, let's say you're not familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you want to just jump in right here, right now. I don't advise it, but Marvel is putting out a primer, so if you don't want to have to go watch 23 movies to catch up on everybody... Marvel Legends, Falcon and Winter Soldier segments have both been added. And if you haven't checked out the Wanda and Vision versions of those, they're not long. They're like five-minute little clips of basically all of their integral parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's a quick jump in, jump out. Hey, that now, okay, I've seen what this guy is all about. Long story short, we're leading up to this Friday, March 19th. We are getting Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 1. We are doing episode drops each week again. We're going back to basics. This was supposed to be the first installment of Phase 4. And with that, I think we're going to get a more traditional Marvel story. We're going to have action and adventure. Kevin Feige has gone on the record and said he does not want people to feel abandoned in the theaters. So what that means is that the Disney Plus stuff is going to affect the cinematic universe, but I don't think anything major is going to go down. And I could be proven wrong, but that's Kevin Feige has said that he doesn't want people who go to watch the movies only to feel like they're left out. 
I call a hearty bullshit on that. Well, yeah, because if you... Well, yeah, we're not going to go into spoilers. But we'll see what happens. I'm excited because there's been a lot of things teased for Falcon and Winter Soldier that could come to fruition. And just seeing where we're going with Cap Shield and who's going to get it and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be fun. And it's action-adventure in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm always here for it. Yeah. That's what I got. All right. So let's get into our movie, yeah? Sure. Are we going to talk about our drink? Yeah. Our drink this week is called Wine, 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 named after the song from the film Pocahontas called Mine, Mine, Mine. She's so witty like that. Yes. Really, we're having this drink because we have three bottles of wine in our fridge, but Bob is trying to watch his weight and won't drink alcohol unless we're recording the podcast. And That's true. I really just wanted some wine. <laughs> so that being said, I would say this one and probably the next two episodes are probably being sponsored by someone special. Oh, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Good job. Listener Nick, old coworker and friend of mine, has sponsored the podcast again. So thank you again, Nick, for sponsoring this episode. We appreciate you very much. I raise my glass right now. Here. Ting. Ting. Oh, good Foley work. Uh, so yeah, it's a bottle of wine. We are having Jip Jip Rocks Shiraz Cabernet. It's okay. I'd like to tell you things about it, but I don't know shit about wine. I like it. It tastes good. Okay. It's not my favorite, but it's good. So let's get into some trivia. Okay, let's talk about the thing we're actually here to talk about. Yeah. So Pocahontas was released on June 23rd, 1995, and that's actually the 400th anniversary of Pocahontas's birth. Hmm. The character of Grandmother Willow was originally supposed to be a male character called Old Man River, who was the spirit Ooh. of the river. And he was going to sing Just Around the River Band. They actually offered the role to Gregory Peck, and he was super excited to take it, but he ended up turning it down because he felt that the role should be an old motherly figure. And when he said that, they took his advice and created the character of Grandmother Willow. You know, Gregory Peck, look at, look at him once again coming up with that wisdom. I am sad that I didn't get to hear him sing. I mean, I, I agree with that, but Old Man River is also the song from... Oh, God, now you're going to ask me to pick out the name of the... What, I didn't from. ask you to do shit. You volunteered this train of thought all on your own. It's not a good look. Let's just put it that way. That's where I'm going with it. I'm done. No, I'm, I'm looking it up now. You've opened that can of worms. Hi. It's a show tune from Showboat that contrasts the struggles and hardships of African Americans with the endless, uncaring flow of the Mississippi River. Yeah, okay. So finally, Miko and Flit were supposed to have dialogue initially, and there's actually also supposed to be a friend that was a turkey voiced by John Candy, but he unfortunately passed away. But the creators decided to remove the dialogue to make the movie feel a bit more serious, which I think was a good call. Yeah, I think it definitely makes you feel more grounded, and yes, she still has a connection to them, and she can kind of understand them. And, like, the physical comedy that they do is so fucking good. Like, some it's of the best brilliant. physical comedy from any Disney movie, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Miko is my spirit animal. <laughs> I thought you were Olaf. <laughs> no, that's just me in cartoon form. Oh, I see. So Miko it represents who you feel you are. Right. And Olaf is who you actually are. R exactly. You get me. That's why you're my wife. <laughs> okay. So the movie starts, and we open up on the song The Virginia Company. We hear the voices of Billy Connolly and a baby Christian Bale, which is very exciting. 
Really? Yeah, he's the voice of Thomas. I did not realize that. Really, Mr. I-know-all-the-voice-actors-all-the-voices-voices. It makes sense. <laughs> the men board the ship, including John Smith, who is, of course, voiced by his royal asshole, Mel Gibson. We're just not even going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. He sucks. The end. So they all go sailing, and there is a huge storm that happens, and the score during the storm is so good. Yeah. Alan Minken. This movie actually, I think this and Hunchback are actually my two favorite Alan Menken soundtracks, and they are the two that sound the least like an Alan Menken soundtrack. So you're saying you don't like Alan Menken. I love Alan Menken. Beauty and the Beast is amazing, but he does kind of have a sound. When he wrote the music for Enchanted, he was making fun of his own sound. Yeah. Whereas I think Pocahontas is just kind of an old-fashioned adventure movie Is he on board for Enchanted 2? I think so. Okay. Good to hear. I would assume so. And Hunchback is very much not like anything else, but perfect for that movie. So I think I just like that it's a little bit more distinctive and specific to the movies instead of general Disney fun times. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. This is a different world than those worlds. Right. So during the storm, young Thomas, the one voiced by Christian Bale, gets washed overboard. John Smith ties a rope around himself and dives in after him and rescues him. If you want to see an alternate ending to the scene, go watch Master and Commander. Doesn't go so well? Doesn't go so well. <laughs> after Thomas is pulled back ashore, Governor Radcliffe comes out. He's voiced by the amazing David Ogden. Is it Steers or Styers? I never know. I've always heard it Styers, but I don't know. Okay, we'll go with Styers. And he is giving the men kind of a rah-rah, we're off to find gold and riches speech. He's holding his pug named Percy. And Percy is punctuating every sentence with a rough, rough. And I love Percy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the animals are the winners. Yes. And holding an umbrella over his head is his very own Smithers figure, Wiggins, who is, to me, the unsung hero of this movie. Yes, he is a gay caricature. I can't even care. I just love him so much. He's fantastic. The men sing a reprise of the Virginia Company as they sail into a thick fog. We go through the fog, and the music transitions into the song Steady as the Beating Drum, which is being sung by the Powhatan tribe. We're just getting a bunch of different shots of farming and playing in the river and just kind of the everyday life of the indigenous people. During this scene, the credits are rolling, and every single fucking time I watch this movie, I forget until it pops up. It is written by Carl Binder, who is one of the main guys behind Stargate, which oh. maybe that's why I fucking love it so much. <laughs> Powhatan, I'm going to just refer to him as Powhatan for this part, just to make our lives easier. That's what Disney did, too. <laughs> Powhatan and the warriors, they return from battle. Pocahontas is just like chilling on one of those super high cliffs of Jamestown. Like you at do. The top of a waterfall, like you do. Her friend Nakoma comes up on a canoe and is like, Pocahontas, come down here. Everybody's back. Come see your father and the rest of the warriors. So she does a beautiful swan dive off of the waterfall and into the water. A swan dive that literally every six-year-old girl recreated in pools when they could. Myself included. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of belly flops, but it was fine. Yeah. She gets back and her father tells her that one of the tribesmen, Kokuum, has asked for her hand in marriage. But Kokum is very serious, and Pocahontas is very much a free spirit, so she is not really feeling this vibe. Yeah. 
Powhatan is like, hey, he's a great warrior. He can protect you. He tells her to be steady like a river. Pocahontas runs off to have some introspective time. And she's like, dude, rivers aren't steady. And then we go into just around the river bend where she's singing about how the water's always changing, always flowing. You never know what's coming just around the river bend. And that's the life that she wants. During this sequence, we're seeing river otters and beaver and deer and all the native Virginia wildlife that I love so much. And I'm just like, yay, environment the whole time. <laughs> She's canoeing down the river and she reaches a fork in the river and one side is very steady and calm and the other side is full of rapids. And she chooses the wild side of the river. As I would too. I've done many whitewater rafting and canoeing trips and that's where the fun is. Pocahontas goes to visit her friend Grandmother Willow, who is an old willow tree, and her face appears in it, and she gives Pocahontas a bunch of life advice. This is a really obscure poll, but if you ever watched the HBO series Carnival, you will never look at Grandmother Willow the same way again, oh. because there is a mysterious person in a carriage that you don't see, you just hear a menacing voice, and it's kind of this dark, evil-seeming spirit, and it's Grandmother Willow, the exact same voice. <laughs> oh, it's the, the, the actress- yeah, and they're not throwing their voice at all. Like, that is her voice. Okay. Once you see that, it's a hard to go back, but it's pretty funny. Nice. But Grandmother Willow has some CGI involved in her animation, and that shit holds up. She looks really, really cool. Pocahontas tells Grandmother Willow about a dream she's had with a spinning arrow, and Grandmother Willow tells her it must be pointing her down her proper path, and she should listen with her heart. Pocahontas closes her eyes, and then there's this iconic wind that shows up throughout the movie where there's brightly colored leaves that kind of swirl through the air. And it kind of symbolizes her listening with her heart and connecting with nature. And and there are colors in this wind? There are colors of the uh, wind. Oh, are You're we right. foreshadowing something? A little bit. As she's kind of, you know, meditating, she feels that something is coming and it's strange clouds. And she climbs to the top of a tree and sees the sails of a ship sailing in. Things you will not see over Virginia trees. Number one, sails. Yeah, our trees are pretty fucking tall. <laughs> yeah, that is all. Especially if you're on the James River. Nope, not gonna see those. We cut back to the ship and Wiggins is spraying Percy's underarms with perfume. He wants to give the native people's gift baskets to say, hi, thank you for welcoming us. <laughs> I told you Wiggins is a gift to us all. He just wants to give them gift baskets. I mean, I think that would have been a proper greeting rather than, you know, bullets. Yeah. So Pocahontas goes to investigate these strange clouds. She sees John Smith, who's kind of like looking around the woods, trying to see if there are any quote unquote natives and... Miko rushes forward and steals some biscuits from John Smith. As he's kind of whipping around, some biscuits are popping out of his bag. And Miko's running around and collecting them all. John Smith crouches down. He's like, oh, hey, buddy, what are you up to? And Miko immediately turns around and waves a biscuit at Pocahontas. Yet again, the fucking animal sidekicks can't be fucking cool. <laughs> like, she's obviously trying to sneak, bro. Like, you just sold her ass out like flounder. Uh, yeah, for cookies, though. True, true. He calls them biscuits, so clearly he's British, even though he doesn't have a British accent. Yes. Did I say that Miko's a raccoon? Miko's a raccoon, if I haven't said that yet. We have not said that. Her other buddy, Flit, is a hummingbird. So John Smith goes over to investigate what Miko is waving at, and Flit kind of buzzes at him and gets in his way, and Pocahontas is able to run off. 
Back at the village, an elder does some cool ceremonial stuff with smoke, and he's seeing all of these images of the English in the smoke, and warns the people that these intruders are unlike anyone they've fought before, and they bring danger. And their weapons breathe fire. Yes. Powhatan sends Kokoam and some of the other tribesmen to go observe them and find more information. We cut back to the ship again. Percy is now taking a bubble bath. Miko interrupts it and they have a peak physical comedy moment. They kind of become little foils to each other and are driving each other crazy through most of the movie. John ventures off into the woods to go truly look for some of the Native Americans. Everyone else starts digging and we get the mine, mine, mine sequence. It does get stuck in my head. That is a very catchy tune. I think I've kind of talked about my mixed feelings about the show-stopping numbers in the past. Uh Mine, 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 I think, walks that line of it being a little over the top, but not totally taking you out of the movie for me. I actually kind of like this one. Also, it's got one of my favorite verses of rhyme I've ever heard, which is, With all ya got in ya, boys. Dig up Virginia, boys. (laughs) That's pretty great. It's so good. (laughs) Stephen Schwartz, by the way, did the lyrics. This was post the passing of Howard Ashman. Uh, So this is Stephen Schwartz of Wicked fame who wrote the lyrics for Pocahontas. And again, David Ogden Stiers knocking it out of the park. Yeah, that dude's got some fucking pipes. So now there's a bunch of creeping and I'm Pocahontas and I'm going to creep behind you and watch you while you explore this new landscape. Look at her. It's the creeping kid. For my movie, The Creeping Kid. For all you fans. I was going to say, how many Eddie Izzard references are we making on this podcast that, like, two people get? We've made multiple so far. Then we get, of course, the iconic scene that you saw in every single trailer. I think it just was the trailer. The scene of him and Pocahontas meeting for the first time in the midst of this waterfall. It is so freaking beautifully animated. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And a fun little tidbit. During this scene, you get a little bit of the theme from If I Never Knew You playing in the score. I'm sorry. What is this song that you were talking about? It is a romantic love song that got cut from the movie that we will go into further detail about later. Oh my goodness. I am unaware. You must tell me. Yes. So he's trying to talk to her and she doesn't understand him because he's speaking English and we hear Grandmother Willow singing, listen with your heart and you will understand. The magical wind appears and... Ooh, can I get hooked up with that? Because the Rosetta Stone is really expensive. Really fucking is. Yeah. And also, like, I took four years of French and have not retained nearly enough of it. (laughs) I took a whole year of Russian and all I have are hello and comrade. But anyway, they both listen with their hearts, and now they can understand each other. Disney magic! Well, that's the only thing we can say that it was. We go back to the fort, and the men have been digging, but they can't find anything. Meanwhile, Wiggins is making topiaries. (laughs) Including a unicorn. (laughs) It's not untrue. Now, that being said, they're literally just digging, like, ten feet from the beach. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) They're digging up some sand. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about Virginia, boys. It's sand for the first 20 miles. Sand, 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 clay. Right. That is Virginia. (laughs) I mean, once you get to the Blue Mountains, you might find some stuff, but mining experts, they are not. 
so the tribesmen have made their way down to the dig site and they are spotted and a big fight breaks out. One of them gets shot in the leg and the elder is very nervous because he doesn't know how to treat this kind of wound. This is like nothing he's ever seen before. So Powhatan sends for other villages to come and help them. Meanwhile, John Smith and Pocahontas are talking about each other's cultures and teach each other how to say hello and goodbye. And Miko steals John's compass and runs away with it. And then John Smith becomes a massive tool and tells her how they will teach her people how to use the land properly. And he calls her a savage and uncivilized. But he's like, hey, it's not your fault that you were raised to be a savage. This is bad. It's not great. He's like, you know, you're just not as civilized as we are. And she's like, no, what you mean is that I'm not like you. And Pocahontas speaking some fucking truths. Yeah. We now go into the colors of the wind. And she schools him on beauty of the environment and nature and being at one with nature and not tearing it all the fuck down. I was thinking about it when we were watching this movie. Because I was six when this came out. I was the perfect age for it. And this song single-handedly taught me both about racism and making assumptions about people who are different than you and how that's shitty. And also how to love and appreciate the environment. I'm pretty sure this song helped make me who I am today. I am a zookeeper because I grew up loving Pocahontas and watching the shit out of this movie and falling in love with animals. So thanks, Disney. <laughs> so I have a fun little anecdote Speaking of being a zookeeper, we will sometimes play music over our stadium speakers and the animals can, of course, hear the music because we are hearing the music. I was playing my iPod on shuffle and this song came on. And when it got to the line, have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? They play audio of a wolf howling and one of our wolves started howling back. How? And it was really cute, but also really silly because he was the only one that fell for it. And all the other ones were like, what are you doing? <laughs> And he wasn't even the one that was prone to howl all the time. Yeah. He was like, oh God, there's a new one. Hello. <laughs> so yeah, we go back to the fort. There is no gold. And Ratcliffe gets it in his head that the indigenous people are hiding and hoarding it. And Wiggins, my fucking man Wiggins, is like, maybe it's more likely that we've, you know, invaded their land and cut down all their trees and dug up all their soil. <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> Another speaking truths. Yeah. John Smith sneaks into the village later that night and is like, hey, Pocahontas, let's go. Let's go hang out some more. Nakoma is there with her and is like, holy shit, you're talking to one of these dudes. Pocahontas is like, be cool, cover for me, please. It'll be fine. She does cover for them when a very concerned Kokoam shows up. And I gotta say, when I was young, I was like, oh, he's so boring, whatever. I've come to appreciate Kokoam as I grow up. Because even though he wants to marry her, he's never overly pushy or, like, creepy about it. When he goes to check on her just then, he's like, hey, just tell her to be careful. It's really dangerous out there. Like, he's just legitimately worried about her. I appreciate Kokoam. So John Smith is chatting with Pocahontas, and he's like, tell me about this gold stuff, because Ratcliffe's really worried about it. And shows her a gold coin, and she's like, we ain't got any of that shit. You want some corn? We got corn. He's like, well, Ratcliffe's not going to be very excited about that story. While they are chatting, Grandmother Willow appears and scares the living daylights out of John Smith. Because it's a talking tree! Yeah. 
But he's a, a grand explorer and a man, Bob. Okay. Can a man be intimidated by a lowly tree? He overlooked the fact that they can talk English to each other. If he's a grand explorer, he knows that's never fucking happened before. And now you've got a talking tree. I think the man is rightfully, like, wigged out. Disney magic. Two of the guys come looking for John Smith. They hear them coming and kind of hide behind Grandmother Willow. And she raises up one of her roots to trip them and then smacks him in the ass with her Oof. vines and scares them off. Yeah, get it, Granny. We go back to the village and the other tribes arrive. Pocahontas does not want a fight to break out. But Powhatan's like, hey, I don't want that either, but it's not that simple. These guys injured our people. It's not great. Ratcliffe also wants to fight, and John's like, no, 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 we need to learn from them. So they're both trying to play peacekeeper. Ratcliffe says that all native people are to be shot on sight. This is a rated G movie, everybody! Nokoma catches Pocahontas sneaking out again, and she is getting super worried for her safety, which is fair. She gets to Kokuam and tells him that Pocahontas is sneaking off to meet with this guy. John is also sneaking out of the fort to go see Pocahontas. And Thomas sees him and is like, what's he up to? And Ratcliffe sees Thomas creeping on John and tells Thomas to follow him. And if you see an Indian, don't forget you're supposed to shoot him. And also, you're a terrible shot, so don't fuck it up. Ratcliffe is a peach. Pocahontas and John Smith meet up at Grandmother Willow. They're like, what are we going to do? Our people are fighting. This sucks. And Grandmother Willow dips one of her vines into the water and it makes ripples. Basically, the lesson is the ripples get very big, but somebody has to start them. So if you guys work really hard, you can bring about change and then you can both be happily ever after. And she uses her vines and pushes them together and then they kiss. You saucy Willow, you. She is very saucy, and I love her. She just wants to, you know, watch. Ew. You always <laughs> gotta make it creepy. <laughs> so the problem with this is Thomas and Kokuam are both watching from the tree lines. They both see it. Kokuam gets angry and runs out and attacks John Smith and puts a knife to his neck. And Thomas shoots Kokuam to protect John. And Kokuam is very dead. Ooh. Yeah. So a bunch of other tribesmen hear the gunshot. They run up and grab John and take him off, then pick up Kokoum's body and take it back to the village. Meanwhile, this is like so sad and sweet. Percy and Miko have also been fighting in the background through this whole scene. And when the gunshot went off, Percy went and hid underneath Grandmother Willow's roots. And after the scene kind of diffuses, Miko comes out and touches him and is like, it's okay, guy, you can come on out. And from then on, they're friends for the rest of the movie. And it makes my heart hurt. Besties. I need more wine. I'm out. The title was Wine, Wine, Wine. Yeah, I'll be right back. Listeners, uh, now that I have you alone and she's not here, this will probably be edited out. But just how are you doing today? How's, how's life? Do you have that special someone out there that you might find a, a willow tree to get under and maybe the willow tree will encourage you to get a little saucy? <laughs> so yeah, call in and let us know who that person would be who's really stirring your heart. I have no advice. Um, my advice would be, you know, have fun, enjoy yourself, but make sure you're following COVID protocols. 
it's tough to find love in the time of COVID. So my goal here is to waste Katie's time in editing and make sure that she has a lot to listen to. <laughs> As I was saying. Hi, honey. You didn't miss anything. Uh-huh. Nothing at all. Nothing. Nothing at all. Just between me and the listeners. So Powhatan tells Pocahontas that John Smith is going to be killed at sunrise and scolds her for running amok with dangerous strangers and basically Kokoam's kind of dead and it's your fault. Nakoma comes up to Pocahontas afterwards and admits that she sent Kokoam after her and Pocahontas laments that Kokoam is dead and also that she will never get to see John Smith again. Nakoma's like, hold on girl, I got you. And she takes him to the hut where he's being held and is like Pocahontas wants to look into the eyes of the man who killed Kokoam and they're like okay fine make it quick my favorite part about that line is that this is when an entire musical sequence would have happened (laughs) cool I'll just be about three minutes and 30 seconds while we serenade each other about our love and that the guards don't hear it that's right so this is when the song if I never knew you was supposed to be in the movie It got cut because it didn't really test well. Audiences, especially kids, found it pretty boring. Because it's boring. Yeah. (laughs) They're not wrong. I think it's a beautiful song. I really love the song a lot. But as far as a scene goes, it's literally John Smith tied to a pole and them singing at each other. There's only so much you can do. In the anniversary release of the DVD, they finished the animation... Well, what they had. Yeah. Like he said, they finished the animation that they had started. They had only half animated it. So the second half is like a sequence of flashbacks with like a soft focus around them. It's not great. (laughs) Yeah. So reminder, this is a less than two hour movie and we're going to show you flashbacks of already seen scenes. Yeah. Do you remember this thing that happened like 20 minutes ago? Here it is again. (laughs) So it's a beautiful song. It doesn't really belong in the movie. No. It doesn't work great. Now, I got to give respect to Mel Gibson on singing. Kate brought it up for me and, and we listened to it. And I, I'm betting there's some sort of digital help in there. But it still sounds good. It said he got assistance on like 20%. They brought someone else in to cover like 20% of his vocals. It still sounds pretty good. Yeah, he does an okay job. Um, the Disney Plus version does not have this scene. In the Disney Plus version, which was the theatrical version, she basically goes in and is like, oh no, this is terrible. And he's like, meh, I've been in worse scrapes than this. It'll be fine. And then Nakoma's like, okay, it's time. You gotta go. The end. (laughs) Thomas gets back to the fort and tells the English that Smith has been kidnapped. This begins the musical sequence, Savages. Oh. Yeah. But here's my thing. I will I will stand by this song forever because it is clear that the message behind this is wrong. The whole point of the song is... On both sides. I get it. Right. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. I, I get it. And like the English are clearly bad because they're invading their land. And I, I get that. It's just really hard to defend the line, they're barely even human. Oh yeah, and that's the toned down version. There were worse lyrics that they cut. Like even Savages in a G movie, huh, still rough. Yeah, this movie definitely pushes the line of G. I'm kind of surprised. This is like Hunchback for me. The themes are... Heavy? Yeah, and kids get it on the surface. Again, I think... 
Again, it went over my head as a kid. I mean, it did and it didn't, though. Watching the scene as a six-year-old kid, I got, like, oh, they both are seeing each other as the enemy, but they don't have to. Right. They are both calling each other savages. Right. Which, I'm not saying that in actuality, Native Americans really were savages. I don't know. I was not there. But... The Englishmen were? Yeah, the Englishmen for sure fucking were. <laughs> if it moves, kill it. Got it. Right. So I think that even though the overall themes are dark, it is a good teaching tool for kids about prejudice and why that sucks. So I stand by it. Also, the animation in the scene is crazy. The use of color is out of control. The color theory that's happening is so fucking over my head. It's reds, but with like neon blue and neon purple, but it's so freaking cool and so effective. I think it's a beautiful sequence and the music is crazy good. Again, kind of that darker side of Alan Menken that's just like, who gives you shivers. So Pocahontas runs to Grandmother Willow. She's saying she feels so lost. And when she says she feels lost, Miko's like, oh, hey, wait, let me grab this thingy that I stole from John Smith earlier and brings out the compass and hands it to her. She sees the arrow spinning and she's like, oh, shit, it's the arrow from my dream. And the music gets so good. The spinning arrow part. Oh, man, so good. As my bestie always points out, if you ever played the Pocahontas video game, this is when you hated your life. <laughs> because you have to rush back to save John Smith before they try to kill him. And it was near fucking impossible, like every Disney Sega game. Why did Disney Sega people hate us? I don't know, Bob. I don't know. Because they wanted you to rent it, but then not be able to beat it, so you had to buy it. Yeah. At least that's my theory, because you couldn't get shit done over the weekend that you had a, mo a game rented. Oh, we just showed our age renting video games. Yeah, we did. Also, Sega. <laughs> Sega. Pocahontas is like, the arrow's pointing to him, I have to go rescue him. She races to his rescue and throws herself between him and Powhatan at the last second. See, I think it would have been better had she followed the compass and it would went north, and that was the opposite way she needed to go. Here's this other guy named Jeff. <laughs> He's much more chill. <laughs> <laughs> he makes biscuits. <laughs> so she's thrown herself upon John Smith. She's between him and Powhatan. She's like, we need peace. This isn't going to go anywhere. It's just going to lead to more hatred and bloodshed. And then Powhatan, the magical listen to your heart moment happens to him. And he kind of gets caught up in the wind. And we're thinking like, Maybe the spirit of his dead wife or something. He, he references that earlier in the movie, that when that spirit goes through, it's the spirit of your mother. And he, like, he legitimately says that earlier in the movie. Yeah. So he kind of has this peaceful moment and he's like, no, you're right. I want to call for peace. I just want to hear his wife be like, shut up. Your daughter's in love. Stop your bullshit. Yeah. Fucking dudes. Just put down your fists and talk for five seconds. <laughs> Ratcliffe, of course, toxic masculinity embodied, still wants to fight, but all the other men are like, dude, be chill. He just said he wants peace. Right. So Ratcliffe grabs a gun and tries to shoot Powhatan, and John jumps in front of him, shoves him out of the way, that old chestnut, and takes the bullet. Of course, John, who is well-loved by the crew, is now possibly shot dead, so they immediately turn on Ratcliffe, and they're like, you are fucking done, sir. And yeah. then... One of my favorite moments in the movie, Thomas fucking becomes a baller and is like, put him in chains. 
And Ratcliffe is like, I'll see you hanged. And Thomas is like, and gag him as well. It's so good. It's so good. Fuck yeah, Thomas. I love this movie so much. (laughs) John is alive, but fucked up. And he got to go back to England and get proper treatment for this wound that he's got. Pocahontas shows up right before he's about to be lifted onto the boat. And she's got a bunch of her other tribe members with her with food offerings. So this is supposed to be like the beginning of the era of peace that she and John have brought about. In this last scene, Percy is dressed up like Powhatan and Miko is wearing Percy's fancy collar because they're now besties. (laughs) It makes me so happy. John asks her to come with him to England and she's like, nah, bro, I gotta stay with my people. They need me here. But she's sad about it. So he's like, well, then I'll stay with you. And she's like, dude, take a hint. Just get on your boat. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. They have a tearful goodbye. As the ship starts to sail away, she dramatically starts sprinting through the forest to like watch it off in the distance and runs to the top of another one of the giant Jamestown cliffs. That doesn't exist. And does the arm gesture for goodbye that she taught him earlier in the movie and then he does it back to her and then as the movie's ending we get one more gust of the wind and it kind of blows through her hair over the water to the ship to him and then up into the sails and pushes his ship towards england with great speed for his love and safety the end how long does it take a gunshot wound to heal and how long does it take to get from america to england Listen, don't try to burst that bubble because he legitimately got shot and went back to England because he got shot in real life. That happened. I get it. I saw the thing that you were looking up and I just don't understand because people die of gunshot wounds very quickly, to my knowledge. I mean, it depends on where it is. Watch Reservoir Dogs. They give you the education that you can get shot in the stomach and it'll hurt like a bitch, but you'll be alive for hours. I get that it happened, and it's amazing that he survived, but I don't understand it. Right, like, all we know is he had a bullet wound. He could have gotten shot in the fucking hand. That's true. (laughs) Like, I don't know. So, Bob, what are you going to give Pocahontas, and is it five stars? I don't think it's going to be five stars for me. What about five shell necklaces? Uh, are, are you goading me into my rating? No. I'm just wondering if you know the right rating. Oh, no, I, it's a good movie. It's not, number one, it's not aimed at me. Number one. Why not? Because it has a princess? A guy can't enjoy it? You sexist piece of shit? No, no, there are pieces of this Evie. I am trying to explain my shit here. Thank you. It's not aimed at me because I find it boring. What? I almost fell asleep. It's not my cup of tea. It's not my thing. I think it's fun, I think it's great, and I think those who enjoy it, enjoy it greatly. This movie has never been my thing. I will give it a solid four and a half. Alright, I'll accept a four and a half. It's just not me. It's just not my favorite. Again, Miko is my spirit animal. I freaking love him. I love everything about his spirit, his animation. I love the parts with Percy. I love the parts with Wiggins. I love... I. It's just, it was not my thing. That's all right. You're allowed to be wrong. As you often tell me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm giving you a hard time. I obviously give it five stars. It is in my top three Disney movies of all time. I love it very, very much. Yeah, it's definitely not in my top three. So that's, you know, that's the difference between you and I. All right. It's my turn to roll, Bob. 
It is. Are you sure you want that responsibility? Oh, I'm not sure. It doesn't go well for us. No, it doesn't. If I see a badger in this movie, I will be very upset. I need to take a swig of wine for courage. I mean, if we get the wind in the willows, we'll have a badger. All right. All right. Here we go. Ooh, way up there. 726. I have no idea what this is. It's called World's Greatest Dogs. I love dogs. <laughs> I like dogs. Let's see what this is. Is it a documentary about great dogs? Because I could be up for that. All right. This is... Oh, it's a 43-minute documentary, so we might be doing a double roll, because this will probably be quick. World's Greatest Dogs, a National Geographic documentary. Athletic, playful, and loving, our canine companions are extraordinary animals. From acrobatics to breathtaking stunts, skateboarding to riding a scooter, and rope jumping to surfing, the special celebrates amazing dogs and their dedicated owners, and reveals how some underdogs turned from rejected puppy to thriving star. Oh my god, I'm gonna watch the shit out of this and I'm gonna cry. This was made for you. Yes, it was. I doubt we are going to be able to make a full episode out of that, so I'm going to go ahead and do a secondary roll, and if we do get a full episode out of it, great, and if not, uh, this will be the other half of it. 558. <gasps> I did so good! I did so good! I'm afraid. Dopey, it's the rescuers down under. Ooh! Watson's oh, excited. Oh, man. You're excited! Okay, we might need to make the dog show last for a full episode because I'm going to have a lot to say about the rescuers down under and I'm not trying to drop a three hour episode. <laughs> oh man, I'm so excited. Whew, the dice, they've been so kind. It's nice for a change. We had a rough streak for a little while there. All right. Are you excited? Because I couldn't tell. All right, well, we hope you guys will join us in two weeks for World's Best Dogs. And maybe Rescuers Down Under, Rescuers Down Under, maybe the episode after that. We'll see how the timing works out. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can just shoot us an email at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, like our awesome sponsor of today's episode, Nick, you can do so at BrowseHouseMedia.com and clicking on the store button or by reading and reviewing on your podcast app of choice. Thanks as always to Bob for coast for coast hosting. Coast hosting? What is that? And how did I do it? <laughs> thanks as always to Bob for co-hosting with me and thank Aww, thanks, you listeners babe. for joining us. Yes, thank you all and again especially our sponsor. And remember, sometimes the right path is not the easiest one. <laughs>